Well, I want to welcome you again today to Graceland, and for those of you who are watching online today, and those of you who will be checking us out online this week, I uh, look forward to having you next week as we continue, and I talk about how our, our hurts are healed uh, through Jesus, and um, I'm, I'm here today with very, very special guests, Richard and Tina Davis. Would you give them an awesome, fantastic welcome this morning? Thank you for being here. Thank you for being here, Tina. And we are so thankful to have you guys here today. And uh, I, I just can't tell you enough. I had an opportunity to meet you guys and spend some time with you, my wife and I, Sarah. And we just loved it. Get hearing you a little bit more of your story and how God's been using you and just unbelievable. So let's just kind of start at the beginning. Uh, how did you guys first meet? And what were the circumstances, all that? We met uh, in Fort Lewis, Washington. It was uh, my duty assignments, and I met Tina. Uh, there, and uh, should I go ahead and say it? <laughs> yeah. I, I met guess. her in a bar. <laughs> <laughs> we we were not followers of Christ. Uh, we had no no uh, desire of any religion, any faith, on there. So I met my bride uh, almost 29 years ago in July, and uh, we've been married uh, going on that time. So it was it's been a a great fun time. Yeah. yeah but that's where we met. That's where you met. And then just things, sparks flew you knew right away? Uh, nine months later, we were married. Yeah. How many months? Nine months. Nine months. Boom. Yes. You knew it. Yeah. When you he know you He was deploying to Korea, and I wasn't going to let him go without a ring on my finger, so. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> Smart. I was. Smart. It was one of the smartest things I ever did. <laughs> <laughs> and where do you guys live now? Well, we live in Clarksville, Tennessee. We, uh, after I retired in 2011... We stayed in Hopkinsville, Kentucky. That's where our children and our grandchildren are at. And then uh, we have eventually moved to Clarksville, Tennessee. So Clarksville, it's funny we're coming up here to Clarksville, Indiana, but uh, yeah. uh, we live in Clarksville, Tennessee, where I'm serving on staff with the First Baptist Clarksville. Awesome. It's so good to have you guys here. Now, you. now, so nine months, you're married, he, he departs, and some of your military journey is continuing, right? At that point... Are you, what are, you, are you serving in the SF forces or? No, and at this time I was in the regular uh, army and I was in the infantry unit. So okay. I was a mortarman uh -huh. uh, for my first 10 years, had a break in service, got out, and then we went back in uh, in 93, 94. 93. 93, went back in. Uh, Germany was my first assignment. And that's when I first went to special forces assessment and selection. So I was in Germany, went to SFAS, and I failed. Um, but then I had to go back to Germany. It was a tough time. And then it took um, some, we, then afterwards, we were assigned to Fort Campbell, Kentucky. And Aspertino was like, where is Fort Campbell, Kentucky um, <laughs> on there? So, but it was. And so being assigned to 101st Airborne Division, uh, did a deployment with them into the Middle East. And then I went back to Special Forces Assessment Selection and was selected. And in 99, I went to the to the Q, Q course, qualification course. Q course, okay. Yes. And then you served uh, for, you just, you just retired recently. How many years did you serve? Uh, 20 years active duty service, and it was my last 10 years was at uh, 5th Special Forces Group. Wow, wow. And now last night you were sharing, I mean, because you, you saw, we're going to get into your, you know, your, the armed forces part of your story a little, a little bit later. But you were sharing about, you guys were sharing about some of the difficulties, obviously, of being a soldier. And, uh, you know, one of them was just, you know, some of the PTSD, and you're going to talk about mm -hmm. that a little bit. But 
Another one was just, you, Tina, you were sharing with us about <laughs> something that, you know, kind of happened because he was in so much um, warfare. What was that? Well, Richard was having hearing problems, and uh, he had gone to the doctor to have his hearing tested. And uh, I think he's probably the only man I know that came home with a doctor's note uh, due to the fact that he'd been around too many explosives and mortars and bombs going off that had damaged his hearing to the point where the tones he's unable to hear are the tones of a woman's voice. <laughs> he actually has a doctor's note. <laughs> I, I said, how much did that cost you? <laughs> oh, and where can I find and meet that doctor? <laughs> that's right, that's right. <laughs> Guys are like, all right, I need to talk to Richard later about that. Yeah. Oh, man. All right, so a part of your journey and your story, obviously, you guys meet, nine months, you're married. How, how, did, this journey, how did your journey intersect with God and mm, Jesus? Good. Why don't you share that with us? Um, we were not, we had some religious experiences when we were growing up as kids. Uh, I was baptized at nine. My parents didn't take me to church, so I would ride my bicycle to a local Baptist church. I remember seeing people being baptized, and I asked, should I do that? There was no discernment. There was no asking any questions of what I believed, and it was just, do you want to? So I was dunked. I rode home, but there was no, there was no uh, saving faith. There was no transformation whatsoever. Um, and the rest of my life in that almost two decades was just completely abandoning anything of God. It had nothing to do with God. We lived our life the way we wanted to. Um, I was in special forces. I was my own man. I was a Green Beret. I didn't need your faith. I didn't need your gods. Um, I was doing my own thing. Uh, even in 2003, I want to say probably around 99, we went to a very small town, and there was only about 100 people there. And within that small town, there was three churches. Within that area, we lived right in the center of town, and there were uh, two churches, and they would come over very uh, hospitable, and they would bring their, their uh, say, hey, here's some pies, some cakes, some cookies, you know, welcome. What church are you going to go to? And we're like, none. Thanks. Close the door. Hmm. Just not interested. But that was in 99 uh, when we moved there, and then it was around 2003 we were already in Iraq. That was during the initial push. And I, we had a, uh, a, Muslim, a, a Muslim soldier attached to our team. And he started asking me about my faith. Mm. I, I didn't have any faith. That was a, my dog tag said none. So when it came to religious preference, I, I just had none. Mm. And so he started asking me questions about what I believed. And, and I took a few little verses here and there you hear over your life, and I started using that. And he tore it apart. He, convinced, he was trying to convince me to accept Islam as the true faith um, and that Christianity today is wrong and that I needed to convert and be a Muslim. So that was in 2003 when that happened. That still didn't do anything. I was, more, I was more upset and angry that this guy knew more about Christianity than what I was professing to believe and I really wasn't even a believer. Um, so I came home and it drove me to study, it drove me to read, it drove me to any type of source of, of information, because I was only interested in winning debates. I was only interested in, in when the next time that this happens, I'm gonna be prepared. Mm. But it put me in God's word. Mm -hmm. 
Hmm. Um, and then it was 2005, 2006, mm-hmm. when Ezekiel 7, 8, 9 became very powerful in my life. Um, our children wanted us, wanted them to take us to church. We wouldn't. We said no. Uh, our children were going to church. They would go to the, down the street because the, the churches were that close, and they would actually go to church without us uh, from there. But Ezekiel 7, 8, 9 became very powerful, and I, I pulled it up on my, my phone. I left my Bible in your office. But Ezekiel 7, 8, 9 was uh, very powerful to me at this time, and I'm going to read it to you. I don't know where I was at. I was in England for some time, and this was just hit me hard. And uh, Ezekiel 7, 8, 9 says, Now I'll soon pour out my wrath upon you and spend my anger against you and judge you according to your ways. I will punish you for all your abominations, and my eye will not spare, nor will I have pity. I will punish you according to your ways while your abominations are in your midst. Then you will know that I, the Lord, who strikes... I knew what type of life I had. I knew what I was trying to, to hide behind and, and what I was doing. God knew who I was, and he was revealing it to me in a very powerful way. And about that same time, we had a new pastor show up in that small town, and he came to share the gospel. And he ran into my wife, was the first one. And she shared with that one. Well, they, they, we had this wonderful back porch that I used to sit out and work at, and it was kind of my little sanctuary, and all of a sudden around the corner come these three men, and they want to talk to me about things of the Lord, and um, I just didn't have time for it. I asked them to leave immediately, and that happened three times, and I thank the Lord they kept coming back. So it was the third time That's right. that... Uh, the Lord pierced my heart to hear. Yeah. So. It was around 2007 we started attending church more. So we threw the evangelism teams off our property three times. So when you encounter people like me and you're out sharing the gospel and they say no the first time. Keep coming back. Keep going back. Keep sharing. Yeah. Look for opportunities to be able to share the gospel because you don't know when God's going to open up their heart to receive that. Matthew 13. Uh, but it was absolutely amazing. So we started attending church more. We started going there with our kids, and then September 2007 is when we were saved. Yeah. Uh, so just over 10 years ago. So it's been it absolutely amazing. It was a journey. Amazing. That yeah, is it was. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, now, Tina, who, who was the first to say, you know, I'm going to believe in Jesus Christ, or was it together? Our children. Your children. Our, our children oldest first, yeah. especially our oldest daughter. Wow. She, uh, That's great. And um, I, we did it together. Yeah. Did you? It was... Um, we didn't have a moment where a light bulb went off. Right. Yeah. It's just um, kind of this. I was the brattiest little two-year-old throwing the temper tantrum the whole time. As the Lord was pulling at my heart, I kept pushing away. Yeah. And um, I, I, it, it was a journey. It took time. We had questions. We, were, mm-hmm. um, we wanted facts. We wanted to know. Mm-hmm. And the deeper we dug the stronger he pierced us and it was together we were actually baptized together really yeah we waited until march 2008 because of our questions because of our religious experiences we we wanted to go through and it's like what is this faith who is this jesus and so we waited and from there in march 2008 we sat down with our pastor had several discussions with him um 
and not just having some false conversion, some false mm -hmm. emotional reaction uh, to the gospel, right. but it was a true, true understanding of, of what Christ has done for right. us. And so yeah. we waited and, mm -hmm. and baptized together. That is awesome. And we ended yeah. up going on a mission trip to Brazil and um, yeah. just overwhelmed us to the point of we needed to go back. We were, um, we were just starving and hungry to learn about God's word and to go and to tell yeah. people about him. And yeah. our heart kind of got left in Brazil. Yeah. We came home and it uh, wasn't very long afterwards. We yeah. sold our house, about 80% of our belongings, sold my business and decided to put on a backpack and head for Brazil. Yep. And the Lord stopped us dead cold. Really? Yeah, did not go. It was, we've been on other mission trips, but yeah. we're, uh, we never went. It was, uh, that was, a, that's another story. Yeah. But we, right. we ended up. So uh, it just totally changed your everything. entire life. Everything. It was our plan yes. and not his. We I, got gung-ho. I have know? to, okay, I have to admit, uh, this is the way my brain thinks, but I have to admit, I was curious. Tina, if you know that you were the first to say, you know, I'm going to believe in Jesus Christ, and then I can picture you trying to talk to him, and he can't hear you. I keep on hearing that. I keep, on, right. I keep right. on seeing that image, but that didn't happen. He, no, he only no. uses that one when it's uh, <laughs> selectively. Selectively. <laughs> so you served in the military, and I, you know, I want to hear your side. Just uh, what was it like to serve in Iraq? What was it like to serve in Afghanistan? The deployments, which I have six combat deployments, and I have additional deployments in other areas, um, but each one of them, I can only say is that without Tina, my wife, in supporting me the way she has, um, I, I wouldn't be um, some of the things that are, have gone on. She was really the backside support that supported all the way through to allow me to focus on my career, allow me to focus on serving with the teams because an SFODA has 12 individuals. If it's a full team, we only have 12 guys. Uh, most of the time, our team never had 12 guys, so we always went with less. And, um, but serving in special operations, in, in special forces, Army special forces, was a, a, an amazing journey. The, the men, the people that you meet, uh, who they are, the professionalism that they have, uh, their warrior spirit is uh, truly remarkable. And so you're training, always training, always preparing. Even as I shared last night that after we got back from Afghanistan, we kind of knew that Iraq was getting ready and it was on. So we actually went to the tank commander certification course out of Fort Knox. We wanted to learn how to operate tanks as a special forces detachment. And uh, so we were kind of joking last night about if you ever watched the movie The A-Team, um, where they flew it, but we don't do that stuff. But it was, we, we wanted to know how to operate tanks uh, because that next one was going to be a desert warfare. But the, um, everything that Special Forces trains you and prepares you to do, you would encounter. It was surprising when we were in Afghanistan, we were working uh, with different groups and doing and getting into certain areas and everything that they had prepared us for in Fort Bragg, North Carolina was what we were experiencing and so we were able to operate very effectively. That's great. Now, I was reading about your accomplishments mm -hmm. and I didn't memorize them so forgive me, I wrote them down here. Uh, you're the, you were a member of the 5th Special Forces Group with combat deployments to Afghanistan and Iraq. 
six bronze stars, Meredith Service Medal, seven Army Accommodation Medals, seven Army Achievement Medals, Expert Infantry Badge, Parachutist Badge, Air Assault Badge, Able to Kill Me with One Finger Badge. <laughs> uh, no, I added that that's one. Right. <laughs> um, and that's probably very true. Um, what led your unit to award you with uh, six bronze medals? The uh, things that we, we are expected to do is um, sometimes high risk. And our team trains and trains and trains, even when we're back home. That after 9-11, I think we had maybe spent maybe three months together, and that was within a, maybe six months, but that was over a, a three-year period. So if you're back home, you're training. Um, you're never around. And so it was a, it was a tough time, but the, the amount of training that goes in, and then you're expected. So when they give us an assignment, they expect us to accomplish that. And so in Afghanistan, we were, and this is, this is public knowledge. This is in a book that's called Masters of Chaos. It's published by Linda Robinson. And so what I'm sharing is, is public information. But we were on a cave exploitation team. And there was a cave that was reported that we had to go identify uh, to affirm, and it was off of a, a very steep cliff, very high up. Had to confirm it. You just can't leave it. You can't ignore it. And so I crawled out there. Um, no support, no ropes, just hand and foot and make your way with a nine mil. Uh, but that's the type of guys that I work with. You know, I was awarded six bronze stars for my work, but the men that I serve with, it's almost common uh, what you're seeing amongst them uh, from there. So even higher awards, we have some just amazing, talented, and humble men that would probably never share some of the stories. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I can't tell you how grateful I am for your heroism. Mm -hmm. and, um, and as we celebrated so many others today That's right. and what That's you right. were able to do. And so you, you, you believe in Jesus Christ. Yes. Your kids are following Christ. Yes. Yes. You guys are following Christ. Your marriage is changing. Everything is turned upside down. You're in the military. Now, so that's a, that's a huge shift. Yes, it is. Right? How in the world were you in the military? This is a big deal. How does this connect the military and then as a follower of Jesus? That's and you obviously you're trying to uh, protect our country. You've got a job to do. There's all kinds of things. And how, how did that all connect? And how did you figure all that out? That one was uh, after coming to faith in Christ and reading through the Bible and just, I really kind of stuck with 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and, Christ, and Paul's talking about the body. It really connected then is about how the army in its whole, how the military, the armed services in its whole, how it functions as a body. And so I think of the church in the same way, which actually Paul was writing about, but I would go to some of the uh, uh, offices because I was... I was very rude, I was very arrogant um, uh, individual. I went back and apologized to a lot of people because I never respected what they'd done for us, though they were working in support channels. And so I went back and apologized because how important that they are to us. Because everybody in our, what we do at Fifth Group and what we do in 101st, what we do in the military and all the armed services, how it comes together and functions um, is absolutely amazing. So it was that change 
of now seeing this reality of Christ and seeing the reality of the church and how it works into what we were doing in the military. So you, you saw that totally shift in your perspective and, and really how you operated and how you did everything moving forward. Yes. It totally changed. Yes. I would start inviting people to Bible studies so that a lot of them were looking at me and they were like, Rich? <laughs> uh, we had our afternoon with our chaplains and, and they, would, they would just look at me and say, hey, look, you got a Bible study today? Let's go have lunch. We can have a Bible. And they were just like, what? <laughs> the question's always, what happened to you? <laughs> That's right. That's and right. we really like that question because we get to yeah. answer it. But, yeah. 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 Wow. Now, so what would you say to all of the military, either active or retired uh, today? Thank you. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for your families and your support serving our country uh, because it takes everybody. It takes, <coughs> excuse me, not just Army, not just the, uh, the Navy, but it takes everybody who's even, even the civilian contractors. If you're a civilian contractor who's working on a military installation and somehow supporting our armed services, thank you. Because it does take a body, it takes a family to be able to, uh, to serve this nation and for our interest. Awesome. All right, one last question. Yeah. So. Here you go. Y- yeah. You, you don't realize this, okay, but he's kind of a big deal, all right? I didn't know if you, that kind of dawned on you or not, but this is, you're going to learn why he's such a big deal, okay? He's got his own action figure. <laughs> I'm, not, yeah, I'm, I'm not kidding you. He's got his own action figure, okay? Yeah. I learned about this, and I first thought, man, I wish we would have had those out in the lobby afterwards, you could have like picked them up, he could have signed, but no. But how in the world did you get your own action figure? Yeah, it was uh, actually was the, the second to last photo as that video ended was, uh, was a picture of me that was taken, was not supposed to be taken, is that we were um, in Iraq and uh, we were working with a conventional unit and they had an embedded reporter who was taking photos. And I was like, do not take photos of our guys. Well, he took a photo of me. It ended up on the front page of the New York Times. And it circulated. It, the, the communications made its way over there. Uh, I never seen the picture. And then uh, 2011, we were getting ready to retire. They asked for 10 photos. So, you know, they were like, we always have your cool guy photos. So I have my cool guy photos. I have photos of the wife and our children, and, and there was that one. So it shows up on the screen, just kind of like what you've seen here was, uh, was that photo. And then some of the guys were sitting up there I was retiring with, and they were like, Rich, that's you? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, they made an action figure out of that. I'm like, get out of here. No, they didn't. They did. Uh, McFarland's has a military series, military series four. And it has a, uh, a sniper figure in that um, action pose from that photo that was used, and they made it into an action figure. So at my retirement, I have this one of my friends who's showing me this action figure, and I was blown out of the water about it. So we laughed about it. My brother bought me one, gave it to me as a, as a retirement <laughs> gift. He was like, I want a signed photo with it. Uh, so from there, so it's, it's been it good. Un- so try being married to a man that says, honey, you're married to an action figure, <laughs> and he has a doctor's note that he can't hear my voice. <laughs> at, at, at any dinner table across the country, you have the ultimate game changer. Whenever, when someone's trying to one-up you, you just wait till everyone goes around the room, will I, will I, and then you'd be like, yeah. 
well, I have an action figure. I mean, how do you top that? I don't bring it up. She brings it up. She brought it up yesterday, and I was like, you went there. She did, she did bring it yeah. up. Well, yeah, that's right. it is our honor to have you guys. Thank you. Uh, thank you for your thank service you, to our country, and more thank importantly, you. thank you for service to Christ. Thank so, you. Can you say thank you enough? Before I go, our military... Before I go, our military, we, we're familiar with these. These are military challenge coins. And uh, I carry mine from Afghanistan, uh, but we have also, because I serve in the military ministry at First Baptist Clarksville, well, we have our military coins that we have. So Pastor Ray, thank you so much for what you're doing with our military and honoring the, those that are serving. I just want to thank you again with our military coin and say God bless what you're doing and keep it up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Need a lot. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Well, you can be seated. Well, I want to thank them for sharing, and um, I want to thank you again for coming to Graceland and on this on this day. And um, as we wrap up today. I want to speak just a few minutes to you. I have a challenge for you. For those who are followers of Jesus Christ that can hear me, here is the challenge that I have. As you hear, as you read, as you feel, do not panic, do not give up, and do not give in. Do not give up, do not panic, do not give in. Be willing to do what it takes to serve Jesus Christ today. America is lost from the smallest of towns to the biggest of cities. Politics will not turn the tide in this country, but Jesus will. And I want to encourage you that Christ has a purpose for your life. And he has a purpose for this country. And he has a purpose for this world. And I want you to understand something today, that God has a plan. He has a plan even when you don't and even when you don't understand it. And I just want to share with you out of the Bible this morning real quickly. I was reminded this week of a very, very popular story in the Bible. Esther, she's a queen for this nation. She's just been made queen and her uncle, he speaks to her. And in Esther chapter 4, Verses 14, he says to her, Perhaps you have come to your position, your royal position, for such a time as this. The, the principle stands for us today, just like it stood for Esther. And that is that you are not a mistake. Where you live is not a mistake. Where you work is not a mistake. Where you have served is not a mistake. That there is a redemptive plan for such a time as this. So followers of Jesus, believers of Jesus Christ, refocus this morning. Refocus. Would you refocus on him enough to live like him, to love like him, and to share about him? Might some of you have taken your, your eyes off of him and put it on the news, 
Put it on the, the information around you. Put it on how you feel today as opposed to how you felt so many years ago. If this is you today, I would encourage you, I would challenge you, may today be the day you put your, your eyes back upon God because he has a plan. He has a plan. I want to encourage you this morning in that truth. And as we close here today and we get ready to have you go out, I want your mind to rest on that principle. So would you stand with me? As a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've found yourself in fear, if you've found yourself in struggle, I want to encourage you. The band is going to come out. We're going to play a song for a few minutes. I want to encourage you in a response. And the response is this, that perhaps you found yourself in fear or worry or discouragement or whatever the case is, and it's not like what it, it used to feel like or whatever it feels like to you, that this would be a moment of refocus for you as a follower of Jesus. And maybe you need to come to this, these steps in front here that we call the altar. Or you need to go to a prayer counselor that's going to have a badge on, and she or he would love to pray with you. Or you need to come to this altar, and you need to put your focus back on Christ. Or, or maybe this morning, as a believer of Jesus Christ and the gospel, that he died for you, not because of anything you did, but because he willingly went to the cross to die on your behalf, that he would be a substitutionary atonement for all the things you've done wrong. And, and when you received that, when you put your faith in that, maybe today it's to put your eyes back on that through communion, the Lord's Supper. That'd be on my right or my left here up front or in the back. And that's going to be your cue in a minute. But for those of you who today are not believers, first of all, I want to thank you for coming. I'm honored by your attendance this morning. Uh, I counted a privilege to just for a few minutes um, have your presence here. I want to encourage you to come back, but more importantly, if you've ever doubted in your entire life of Jesus, if you ever struggled with certain aspects and you've wanted to believe, but you just haven't been able to, I want to encourage you right now in this place, you can make a moment of belief. You can make a moment just like Richard and Tina and their family and myself and so many others. And I'd love to talk to you. I'll be staying right down there. Richard would love to talk to you or any of our prayer counselors. And if that be your case today, that you would, would believe that Jesus Christ, he came to this earth, that he would die for the sins of humanity. And three days later, he would not stay in the grave, but he would raise, just like we sang about earlier. So no death shall really be our fear because we will open our eyes in eternity for those who believe in heaven before our God. If this is what you want for your story and you want to place your faith in Jesus,